Welcome, everybody. I'm so happy to see everybody. I'm so excited about our message today. <laughs> anyway, before we start, though, I do want to thank you guys. I just want to give one little teeny tiny testimony. It's not teeny tiny to God, but anyway, so we <laughs> had a homeless person, and the reason I'm sharing this is because some of you know part of this, and I want to just fill you in on what finally happened. We had a homeless man show up um, last week, and he was in really a desperate way, and he was sleeping on the couch, and I went around the corner, and I'm like, oh, hi, and out pops this man, okay? Well, his name is Louie, and he was homeless, hadn't eaten, couldn't eat, actually. It was very clear that he was not doing well, that he was sick. Um, he was a very, you can tell underneath, he was a very kind man, but he was very combative. Um, but anyway, so the next day, um, we, and I, I'm telling you this story, because sometimes you probably think, what are we doing in terms of outreach? How are we helping? And there are so many ways that we help individuals that you maybe don't always know about. And some of it is through prayer, and people get healed. And some of it is, you know, more something like this, where it's a physical thing. But anyway, we did get to pray the prayer of salvation with him. Um, you could tell he was very sick. And um, I believe he was saved. But, you know, we should always make sure. And he was very joyous to pray the prayer of salvation. So the next day, we got... There were these three lovely helpers, um, a policeman, Paul, and two paramedics, Eric and William, and they were Christians. It was clear God sent Christians to help this man. So you see, we have angels working for us all the time. So they were very strong Christians, and they decided not to take him locally. You know, God gives wisdom to people. And so they decided to take him to New Hope Center in Sullivan um, because I, I've, sen I've since then found out the whole long history. But he had been turned out of places several times in this condition and not helped. And um, so in the process of taking him there, he has now been transferred to Missouri Baptist Hospital and he is getting the care that he needs. Hallelujah. So don't think that you are ineffective. You as a body of Christ in this church are very effective. And there are a lot of things that go on, and sometimes I just forget. I, well, I'm, I don't forget. I'm not going to confess that over myself, but sometimes I just don't really think about sharing everything. You know, so I just wanted you all to know that. But anyway, so this week we are going to be, be discussing the name of Jesus. Two weeks ago, we talked about living from the inside out, Christ in us. We all need to get into a, a, a much deeper revelation of what that really means, what that has accomplished in us, what it is doing in us and through us. Because when we understand Christ living inside us, and we live from the inside out, we cannot help but glorify God, and we cannot help but transform the world. You all are transformers, okay? You are transformers. You have been transformed, and you are reaching the world to transform the world. That's what Christ did. That's what the disciples did, and you shall do it no less. Okay? So we're going to be talking, and we're calling this, We Have the Name of Jesus. We have the name of Jesus. So what's in a name? What it, at birth, at birth, you're given a name. You're given, it's just a title at that point, right? It is a title. It's, it's something that people, by which people will identify you. But you see, God has an image of you before you're ever born. And our whole life process, is walking in the fulfillment of that image, walking in the fulfillment of the destiny that God has for us. 
and he sees you reaching that destiny. Regardless of what you go through here on, on this earth, he sees you. He, is, he, he never has a question about that. He sees you walking in the image that he has for you. Okay? And as we go through life, our name, the name that you've been given, comes to embody who you really are. So, when someone, hear, when someone thinks of your name, they don't just think Yvonne, okay? They think of everything that Yvonne is. Everything that goes into who you are. The completeness of your persona and your character. They don't just think of that title. They think of who you are on the inside. Who you are on the inside. It is the completeness, it comes to embody the completeness of who you are. Are you a person of your word? Do you have integrity? Are you honest? See, and so, for instance, when I, and I'm, I'm not just picking on Yvonne this morning because I think wonderful things about all y'all. But, so when I think of Yvonne, what do I think of? Very first thing is probably gentleness. She is the most gentle, kind, compassionate person. I think steadfastness. She doesn't move off the word. If the word says it, she's going to believe it regardless of what you see right here. Okay? I think of steadfastness. I think of integrity. I think, oh, if she tells me something, is, it going, is she going to do it? I don't even have to think about that. I don't even have to question that. Okay? So, and I think of a whole lot of other nice things. And so when a person, when you say their name, that's what comes from their inside out. Okay? That's what comes to us. And you think of the, the wholeness of that individual. So, we're going to be studying the name of Jesus. We could go on and on for probably years just studying the names of Jesus. But I'm not talking about today the specific names. Uh, a name, a name is only as good as what backs it. Correct? A name is only as good as what backs it. So primarily, we are going to be studying in John 14, 15, 16, and 17. Love those chapters. If you could just like read those every day for the next month, your whole life would be changed. Because in 14, 15, 16, 17, this is where Jesus discusses his name more than anywhere else. He discusses his name. He talks about his name. Okay? He explains to us how to use it. He tells us what backs it. He tells us what it holds within it what it accomplishes. And you know what? I believe him. I believe everything about what he says about his name. So, but before we actually do that, what we're going to do is we're going to get into some spiritual truths that are very important so when we move on in the study of the name, when we move on, that you will have this so resonating in your spirit that you will just grasp new, new and greater revelation very easily because you will have these spiritual truths in your heart as a foundation for the name. So, um, oh, bless you, baby. <laughs> so the word of God, the word of God is who Jesus is, right? Is, is Jesus the word? Yes, he's the word. When you speak the name of Jesus, when you speak the name of Jesus, it is backed 100%, 100%, completely, emphatically, undeniably, nothing missing, nothing diminished, unequivocally, the word of God. 
what God thinks, what God speaks, what God knows, what his truth is, what his way is, his life, when you speak the name of Jesus. He is true to himself. He is not a man that he should lie. He will never, never alter his covenant with you. Never. You are blessed above all people because as a believer in Jesus Christ, you walk in a covenant with the creator of the universe, the almighty God, the king of kings, the Lord of lords, the, the, the great and mighty one. You walk in covenant with him, and he will never break his covenant with you. Psalm 89:34 in the NIV. I will not violate my covenant or alter what my lips have uttered. How does that make you feel? You should love that. He, yeah, I do too. Thanks for saying that. <laughs> he is not a man that he should lie. You can go to Numbers I'm not going to read it right now, but it'll bless you to go to Numbers 23, 19, and 20 and read that, okay, instead of just out of your brain. So the scripture tells us that Jesus is the word of God made flesh. I think we pass over that way too easily, way too quickly, without really thinking about what that means. I mean, I feel the fire of God when I say Jesus is the Word of God made flesh. <coughs> there are so many aspects to that thought. He's made, he's made flesh in that he's made alive in our presence, but he's made flesh in you. If he's made flesh in you, how can you remain sick? I mean, that's just a reality. That's just a plain out fact. I mean, he is made flesh in that we, he came to be with us, he came and dwelled among us, we have the spirit of the living God living in us, but just think about it practically in your life. If he is made flesh, can that flesh be defiled. Did, he, did words create you? Did the word of God create you? Is it any less powerful or any different now than when God created you and everything that you see? So that, that right there would be enough for y'all to learn today and you could leave and be blessed. I mean, really. You think about that. Just that one truth will change your life. Okay. So let me read that scripture. John 1.14. I'm going to read this in the Aramaic because you all have your own versions and so you can have those, but I, this is really powerful. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. Now, you beheld his glory because you behold Jesus but he put the same glory in you that he has. So there's a whole nother level of beholding the glory on the inside of you. This is fire, guys. I'm serious, this is fire. His glory placed in you. And we beheld his glory, glory as of the only begotten, as of, same as, same as, no distinction. Are you getting that? Okay. As of the only begotten Son from the Father. Straight to you. From the Father, straight to you. Hallelujah. Full of grace and truth. So, when we see Jesus, we see 
the living, living, living word. This is not just words on a page. This is an alive thing. This is alive. Y'all probably don't want to talk me to talk so much about when I went to heaven, do you? Because I don't mean to be saying the same thing over and over again. But I am telling you right now, any word that you speak that is according to this Bible, which is the word of God, any word that you speak according to this word is actually physically living. It is moving. It is breathing. I saw it. I don't really know how to describe it. It's like impossible. But I wish everybody could accept the truth that when you speak the word of God, it is a truly living, active force. It is full of color and sound and picture. It, it goes through rock. It is who Jesus is. It is no less effective. Am I shouting too loud? Gosh, I wish I could explain it. I really do. <laughs> Thanks, whoever said that. Because it is so incredible. When I saw your prayers coming up, and I could see them in, re in real life, I could see the prayers, not just hear prayers. I could see the prayers moving. And believe it or not, okay, so there's all this old darkness over here, but here's the light from the throne room of God. And I didn't want to go there. I wanted to come back. You know, I felt like I had too much to do here yet. You know, and, and God agreed. It was really me agreeing with God. You know, because he said to me, when I said that, I said, you know, I, no, no, uh, what was the word I used? You know how when you don't want to insult someone? No offense, that was it, disrespect, no offense. I said, no offense, God, but I don't want to come with you, I want to go back. And he said, I am glad we agree, because I have a whole lot more for you and your family, meaning my immediate family, meaning this church, for you to do. Yeah. So you need to take seriously that you have a lot to do for him, for his glory. But anyway, gosh, I wasn't going to, I promised myself I wasn't going to say all this today because I don't want you to just think I get up here and repeat stuff every single Sunday. But anyway, so these prayers... They were so alive. They were so moving. It made me really understand why the scripture says that the rocks will cry out if we don't praise. But anyway, so I was watching these prayers, and I was watching them come forth, and I was watching them move through this pillar of rock that I was laying on, and, and they were Jesus. The words of prayers were Jesus. You know, and so I look over here and, you know, I'm having this conversation. You know, in heaven you don't even talk. There, there were no mouths moving. It, it was just, you knew each other's thoughts. I'm serious about that. So anyway, over here, you know, is all that light coming in and I, and from the throne room and I'm like, I don't want to go there. And the prayers, the prayers of the saints this, this beautiful, this is why every single one of your prayers matters. It was this gorgeous mosaic 
of colors that you cannot even imagine. And they were, here I am laying face down on the rock, Jesus. And there's that light. And it, believe me, that would usher forth anyone to want to go that way. And, and then there were all these prayers. And it was like a prayer wall between me. But it was transparent. Like I could see through it. But it was like a prayer wall. And those, wall, that, that, those prayers were accomplishing God's will. He didn't want me yet anyway. And I didn't want to go. So the, between me and that light and that entrance to the final throne room was this, these beautiful, moving, lovely, unimaginably colorful prayers. And they were a comfort to me. But they helped accomplish God's will. And I got to come back. So anyway, I don't know how I, I got into all that, but like I said, I promised myself I wasn't even going to say anything about that today. But anyway, so <laughs> I, I just want you to realize how alive the name is. How alive the word is. So, Jesus calls himself the living God. More times in John than anywhere else in the Bible. He calls himself that. And believe me, people got mad. John 4, 26, in the Aramaic, Yeshua said to her, I am the living God. What more do you need? He's the word made flesh. The word is the living God in your life. I am the living God. In the Aramaic, like I just said, in the Gospel of John, more than anywhere else in the Bible, he calls himself that. Over and over, he says, I am the living God. That is his name. He refers to himself that way. I am the living God. That is who you are calling on when you speak the name Jesus. That's what you're calling on. That's who you're calling on. All the power, all the glory. Helping you. Hallelujah. So, when you say Jesus in any given situation... When you say Jesus, you are speaking the absolute, unconquerable, impenetrable, undefeatable, undefeatable, impervious to trouble, impervious to trauma, impervious to torment, incorruptible deity of God. That's what you are bringing to bear in your situation when you say Jesus. In one of the instances in the Bible, in the scripture, when Jesus spoke his name in this manner, I am the living God, it caused those who came to destroy him to fall ineffective on the ground, unable to carry out their task until a certain point. And I'll explain that to you in a minute. First, we're going to read that scripture. It's lengthy. It's John in the Aramaic, John 18, 1 through 11. It'll be in that PowerPoint. Yeshua said these things. 
and went forth with his disciples to the crossing of the torrent of Caedron. The place was a garden where he and his disciples entered. But Yehuda, that's um, Judas, the traitor, had also known that place because Yeshua had met there many times with his disciples. Therefore, Yehuda, that's Judas, led a company also from the presence of the chief priests and the Pharisees. He led the guards and came there with torches and lamps and weapons. But Yeshua, Jesus, because he knew all these things had come upon him, went out and said to them, Whom are you seeking? They were saying to him, Yeshua the Nazarene. Jesus said to them, I am the living God. Watch out, boys! You got something coming that you were not expecting. I am the living God. But Yehuda the traitor was also standing with them. And when Yeshua said to them, I am the living God, they, that means all of them, you think you got more than one torment or more than one enemy? The name will cover all of it. <laughs> I am the living God. They went backward and fell to the ground. Can you have that much confidence in your Jesus? Yeshua said again, whom are you speaking? But they said, Yeshua the Nazarene. Yeshua said to them, I have told you, I am the living God. And if you are seeking me, let these men go. Did they do that? Yeah, they did. He spoke, they did the enemies, the adversaries. You get it? So that the saying might be fulfilled, of those whom you have given me, I have not lost one. Do you get that? He's not going to lose a single one of you. You just stay in him. You just stay in the name. You just stay yielded. You just stay submitted. You just know who you are in Christ. Those whom you have given me, I have not lost one. See, he's fulfilling the will of God. His whole heart was just to please God. We need to understand that. <clears throat> but Shimeon Kaipha had a sword on him, and he drew it back and struck the servant of the high priest and took off his right ear, and the name of the servant was Malka. See, sometimes we, we get involved, and we do more than we really need to do. Right? Because we just have the name. Is it going to accomplish what the word says it's going to accomplish? Yeah. He didn't need his help. <laughs> Yeshua said, Caiaphas, put the sword in its sheath. The cup that the Father has given me, shall I not drink it? His heart, Jesus' heart, we've studied and studied and studied, was always just to please the Father, to glorify God. Should that be our heart? If that is our heart, we are going to walk in the authority and the power and everything that God has given us. The name works when you're submitted. Well, the name works all the time, but what I'm saying is we need to be submitted to the heart of God. But anyway, he said here, shall I not drink it? He's saying, I'm submitted to the plan of and purposes and the will of my father. Then the company and a captain of a thousand guards of the Judeans seized Yeshua and bound him. But what really happened there? He allowed it. 
He allowed it because his heart was to fulfill the plan and the will of the Father. He wasn't going to turn from that. But until he allowed it, it didn't happen. They came against him with what they had, and when he said his name, they fell to the ground ineffective. You see that? Totally ineffective. So, we see two things in this passage, that the very mention, the very mention of his name totally immobilized the enemy. Okay, come on, did it or didn't it? Okay. It totally immobilized the enemy. The very utterance of his name completely stripped them of all their power. At that moment. And then he granted them permission so that he allowed them to take him away. But he allowed it at that point because he wanted to please the Father and follow God's plan. So I'm going to ask you some questions. I'm going to ask you some questions. And I know the answers to these are going to seem really simple to you. But the point is, when I ask you these questions and you answer them, I really want you to be thinking about the truth of, what you're, of that with which you're agreeing. Okay? I want you to think about the truth and, and how it works in your life and, and how powerful it is in your life. Okay. Has the name of Jesus lost any power? No. Is the name of Jesus still the word of God? Is the word of God supreme? Is the word of God the truth? The absolute truth. Is the word of God alive? Yes. And you can find scriptures for all these. I'm not going to give them all to you. You can do homework. That's good for you. Homework is good. (laughs) How many times did you tell your kids that? (laughs) Does the word of God still hold the universe in place? You know, if you just want to think about just the reality of that, Think about all the bombs. Think about all the volcanoes. Think about all the earthquakes. And then think about, like, a little globe, like on a table spinning, you know, a sphere. And if you blow it, it becomes totally imbalanced. Think of all the earthquakes, the tsunamis, all these things that happen on this earth. And the earth is still revolving (laughs) the way that God created it. Think about that, just practically. So, does he still hold the universe in place? Yeah, and it, by his word. <coughs> does the word of God still accomplish what it says? Yes. When you speak the name Jesus Are you speaking? Are you speaking? Answer truthfully. Are you speaking the living word? That needs to be in your consciousness. That needs to be deep in your heart, in your spirit. That that is actually what you are doing. When you speak the name Jesus, is it backed by all, everything, completely, wholly, by who God is. Yeah, he doesn't change. He'll never change. When you speak the name of Jesus, are you calling God to the scene? Does he ever lose? We have one job, and it's to agree with him. No matter what it looks like here, we agree with his word. It is his name. His name is backed by all of his word. So when Jesus identified himself as God, the Son of God, as deity, 
as divine, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the rulers of the day, the hateful people, they all saw him as a blasphemer. They called him a blasphemer. Was Jesus moved? So when you decide to walk in the divine nature of God, the spirit of life of Christ Jesus placed inside of you when you were born again, do you care what the crazies say? Are you going to be moved by how the world views you? Are you going to be ashamed of the gospel? Was Jesus moved by what they said? Was Jesus moved by what they did? Was Jesus moved by what they thought? Was Jesus moved by the sinners that came, the sin that came against him? Never. Do not be moved. Know who you are. Know what's in you. Know it's alive. Know it's more powerful than anything that comes against you. He was never moved. He stood in in his identity. He knew to whom he belonged. He knew he was the word made flesh. He knew who God was. He knew that God loved him. He knew that God would not alter. And he just walked in it. He spoke it. He walked in it. He stood in it. Hallelujah. He said, I am the living God. He knew his identity. Regardless of the lies of the adversary, with whom are you going to agree? With whom are you going to stand? John 14, 6, Jesus says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. So when we speak his name, we are speaking his way, his truth, his life into our situations, into our being, into our core, into who we are. The name of Christ is the living word of God. Have I made that clear that the word and Christ are the same? Yeah, y'all know, right? We have... We have full capacity. You have full capacity, nothing less. You have full capacity to walk in the fullness of the word and the completeness of who God says you are, of his image, his destiny for you. Because Christ lives in you. Satan no longer has a hold on you. He can whisper all he wants, but hey, can you all get this? Okay. Don't be shocked. When I utter these words, Satan cannot kill you. Can't. He doesn't hold the keys of death. He's been stripped. Do you get that? He has no power of death over you. None. Zero, zippo. We have the spirit of life of Christ residing on the inside of us. The only way that Satan can have any influence in your life is if you choose to agree with him. So just don't do that. Okay? Just don't do that. If there's something in your life that is different than what the word says, just read the word and you just stand on it and stand on it and stand on it and speak it and believe it and just believe Jesus. Just believe who Jesus is. Because he is his word. Because the spirit of truth, the very living Christ that dwells on the inside of us will never agree with Satan. Never. It's impossible. So if you just stay in that word, if you just stay in the name, 
it's going to be impossible for you to be deceived. Do you see that? We will identify with Christ and Christ alone, our Redeemer, the lover of our souls. He is the truth of the Word. He is the living God. The name of Jesus, the Word, is alive. It is the very life of God. It is the very life of God. It is true, it is active, it accomplishes what it says. It is as alive for you as it is for Christ. No different. The name of Christ, it is a living force. It is the very life force of God. Is that powerful to you? Is this bringing new strength to your hearts, to your spirits? Is it transforming your mind and how you're thinking? The more I dwell on this, the more it transforms my mind to his truth and ways in life. And that's a good thing. Because when we speak the name, when we act upon the name, the word, we get its results we declare the name of Jesus and we put into operation all that God is in our lives. Jesus is the way. We walk in his way. Right? Are you good students of the word? Good. Jesus is the truth. We receive the truth, don't we? Jesus is the life. We have been given the life of Christ. Wow. Gosh, do you see how much the Lord loves you? So, all of that, when we speak the name, when we know what we have, when we believe on Christ, all of that comes to bear on every situation where we declare his name. Does that make you feel victorious? Hallelujah. So, can I just throw one more little zinger in there at you today? And I know you won't get bad at me because y'all love the word and y'all love truth. <laughs> so if you get mad at me, you're mad at God. <laughs> but anyway, here's the deal. We do not speak the name. We do not use this gospel just to get blessed. There is, you will be blessed. Anytime you submit to this, you will be blessed. If you don't submit to this, you're, you're kind of making your own problem. It's not God's problem. Okay? He doesn't want you to do that. But you create your own problem. We do not follow this gospel just to get blessed. Though you have to get blessed by it when you submit, when you are obedient, when, when you worship, adore, and love the Lord and live to please him. Okay? You cannot help but be blessed. But that is not why we do this. We do this to live Christ out from the inside the great wealth that he has placed in you. It's not for you to keep. It's for you to put out there, to share, to transform lives, to help the hurting, to heal the sick, to open blind eyes, to free the oppressed. That's what this is for, to glorify God. If you make your aim to just see Jesus, to live from the Jesus inside you out, you will not help, you cannot help but be blessed. But you will have so much more than that in your life because you will be reaching a world that needs to be reached that is transforming people in hearts and spirits so that they get to live with God eternally. Living for God with him in heaven is wonderful, but that is not your total goal. You get to go there because you love Jesus. But he has so much for you to do here. 
He wants you to be his ambassadors and his agents. And when you walk knowing that the living God, the Lord Jesus Christ, lives on the inside of you, and it will transform every darkness. Then you will go and he will say, well done, my good and faithful servant. You pleased me because you helped the downtrodden. You pleased me because you loved one another. You pleased me because you took the love that I deposited in you and you gave it. Even when you didn't see it blessing you. Even when you thought it was a hardship to you. Nothing that you ever do for the Lord will bring hardship. You might think there's a hardship, but he is just, he is true, he is faithful, and he will turn it to your blessing. So, that's what the Lord had me share with you today. We serve a good and faithful God. We're going to take communion. We're going to take our tithes and offerings. Why do we take communion? We don't take communion out of a religious obligation. We take communion to remember him. To remember what he did for us. When we take communion, we are saying, I believe. I believe. I believe you, Jesus. You bore your stripes so that I could be healed. You, you poured out your blood so that I could be forgiven. I receive your mercy, Lord. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you, Jim. I receive your mercy. Thank you for your loving kindness. I remember you, Jesus. I remember what you did for me. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. And I am going to walk in it on this earth. So, thank you, Lord, that you took those stripes for me. I walk in your healing because of the stripes you bore. You did it for me, and I'm so thankful. Thank you, Lord, that you are obedient unto death. I appreciate it. And because of you, I am going to walk in all that you've given me, and I am going to transform this world for your glory. In Jesus' name. And Lord, I thank you for your blood. You chose to pour it out for me. You went to the Father and you poured that blood out on the mercy seat so that I could see, receive your mercy and your forgiveness. So Lord, anything that I've done that is displeasing to you, I, I choose to give it up. I choose to repent. I choose to do it your way. And I thank you that I'm forgiven. And I don't need to dwell in that anymore. I don't need to dwell there anymore. I am a forgiven child of the living God because you did it for me. In Jesus' name. And for the the tithe and the offerings. I just, I kind of just really honestly want to tag the lesson because when we submit in all things, that includes your finances, 
you know, that's a form of worship. Your, your tithing and your offering is a form of worship. It's a form of obedience. It's a form of yielding. You do it the way the Word says to do it. And if you don't believe that there's tithing in the New Testament, there is. It's in several places. But when you walk in that obedience, when you walk in the name, you will be blessed. He assures you that you will be blessed. That's not why you do it. But if you don't believe him, he says in the tithe you can prove him. But anyway, today I'm going to read <coughs> Acts verse 20, starting in 32. And now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up. Listen to these words. I'm reading in the Aramaic. And to give you an inheritance with all the holy ones. Do you see what you have? I have not coveted silver, gold, or apparel. And you know that these my hands have ministered to my needs and to those who were with me. And I have shown you everything that thus it is necessary to labor and to take care of those who are weak and to remember the words of our Lord Yeshua, who said, he who gives is more blessed than he who receives. When you give according to what the Lord says, you can't help but receive. That's not why you do it. <laughs> so anyway, we're going to receive your tithes and your offerings. Lord, I thank you. Lord, we give cheerfully. If you're not giving cheerfully, just don't give it, please. I'm serious. Wait until you're cheerful. <laughs> he has destined you to be cheerful, to give to him. But anyway, dear Lord, Lord, we give cheerfully unto you, and we thank you. We thank you for what you've done. And Lord, we just ask for your wisdom and your understanding. No seed that comes into this ministry do we want to be used in any way that you have not chosen. So we thank you for your wisdom. And I thank you, Lord, that you bless the hands that are giving. You bless, you bless everyone here, Lord, giving or not. But your word does say that you will bless the giver. So I thank you, Lord, for that. I believe that. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Okay, beloved, I was supposed to call... <laughs>